Welcome, everyone, to episode 26 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper, and on this week's episode, I have a, a fabulous interview with Roxana Angles. So without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Welcome, everyone, to the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper, and this is episode number 26. And for this episode, we are, well, I am so privileged to have as a guest, Roxana Angles. Welcome, Roxana, to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited to be on tonight. Very good, very good. Doing good here, and I'm happy that, to have you here as well. Thank you so, so much for, for joining. Really appreciate it. Super excited to be here, Mario. <laughs> Sounds good. Me too. So, Roxana, um, you're well known among the, the film community. Um, you're a part of the the giant podcast, <laughs> the Negative Positives <laughs> podcast. You're one of the co-hosts there. So anybody that shoots film probably knows uh, your story with photography and film photography. And um, you're just you're all over the place with uh, with film photography, and that's so awesome. It's a it's a wonderful privilege having you on. Uh, one of the giants, I'd say. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, so to start off with, uh, Roxana, what um, do you have anything lately that you've been doing as far as uh, photography? Um, you know, <laughs> this last year has been really, really weird. For all of us. So what's new with you as far as photography goes? It has been such a strange year. And where I used to shoot a lot of um, people, like I would love to do shoots with friends. And I think that's really my favorite. I really had to uh, refocus what I was yeah. doing because of the pandemic and I still shoot my kids a lot, but they, uh, and you have a teenager. I don't know if your teen is like this, but both of my kids won't let me post my pictures of them <laughs> online. Yeah. So nobody gets to see those beautiful photos of my children. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a hard thing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. So I really had to kind of find some, some other things to shoot and to push out of my comfort zone. And, uh, you know, but I think that's really good for everybody. I feel like when you have limitations, it forces you to be so much more creative. That sounds cool. Um, you know, I want to talk with you about uh, something that I really struggle with and that I really haven't done that much of. Um, and it relates to a subject that I want to talk with you about in a little bit. But um, is there anything... Um, in particular that you've explored uh, during this, uh, you know, pandemic year as far as your photography? Um, I think that the main thing that I really got into was my underwater flowers. Um, I was inspired and now I'm on a podcast. I don't remember her name. I remember her first name by this mm -hmm. artist, Anna, and I'd have to look up her work, but she does these art pieces of these water flowers 
And I found it so inspirational that I really wanted to start figuring out how to uh, shoot flowers underwater. And it was super trial and error and it was a lot of lighting and uh, it was a lot of fun though. I had a really good time doing it. And because of it, I was able to, you know, there was a lot that came out of it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually create a photography book with mm -hmm. stuff, and that should be a lot of fun. And um, I'll have a, I have a show in October in the high desert here in California, so it'll be fun. Cool, cool, cool. You know, th that work actually kind of inspired me a little bit. Um, I, I kept seeing your your feed on Instagram, and every single shot was just really beautiful uh and i i wondered how you did it and then i later uh, i think recently i listened to the all through lens podcast and you described how you did it and it was oh no 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 it was on the negative positives podcast when you when you returned valiantly returned yeah, my <laughs> uh, triumphant return <laughs> <laughs> triumphantly yes <laughs> mr gutterman said that <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what a great guy um no, you, you described how you how you did it, and it was like, oh wow, that's that's really cool. But uh, <laughs> at the I clean a, a head start, and they had some Orbeez. Uh, they were they just gave some to me, and I thought, hey, great. So I put some in in a jar, and they you know made a, a I think it was a, a time lapse movie on my phone of them expanding, and then I thought, ooh, that'd be that'd look really cool as a you know as a photo so i took some 2254 film and shot multiple exposures of it and really liked it so thank you for inspiring me to do it i love that <laughs> what a great idea i you know it's so great how you know something i love about the film community is just how sharing everybody is and it just you know and knowing that there's space for everybody for all of their creative practice like i love sharing my tips and tricks and what i do because i know that it's going to really you know if it helps anybody i'm happy <laughs> yeah for sure and i'm actually going to ask you about something a little bit later on too okay <laughs> about tips and tricks yeah i got uh, them <laughs> cool very very cool well uh one thing i wanted to uh, talk about is um your series of podcasts that you've done from, I think, about the beginning of the year when you stepped aside uh, from the co-hosts, uh, you know, responsibilities or duties or privilege, however you would term it, <laughs> um, on the NPP, um, you did a series of fabulous interviews with women photographers. And what I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask a couple of questions, but one of them is, um, what what did you get out of out of those uh, those uh, conversations with with fellow women? You know, I think the whole process was really um, it was such a wonderful process from the beginning. Uh, I, I I think that without even meaning to the field is very male oriented and you know and it's amazing but actually there are so many women and non-binary uh film photographers it's just not as they're just not as 
out there. It's like mm. you know, so much talent that, and they have like a low amount of followers. And and I'm just I'm I'm searching up their work, going, oh my gosh, people need to see this. <laughs> this is <laughs> and. You know, there's just something also really great about empowering other people. I feel that when you give to other people and you uh, try to highlight others, it also makes you feel more inspired and it lends to your creativity. It's the craziest thing. You think that by, you know, highlighting others that you're diminishing yourself. That's so not true. It's like you yourself are growing so much. So it's it's been an incredible journey, and I'm definitely going to continue it in the fall. It's just it's way too much fun, and I love talking to all of these inspiring humans that are shooting film. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, one of your interviews was with I think Danielle Robleski. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> girl with too many cameras. Yeah. <laughs> she does awesome <laughs> photography, but. Uh, I, I'm hoping to have her on the podcast uh, soon as well. But, you know, uh, her story kind of touched me, um, you know, when she, you know, walking down the street and some weird guy was, you know, eyeing her or whatever. It just made me think, you know what? <laughs> and I'm asking you this question. What can we as male photographers do to make it more inclusive or to 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 be i, I don't to to bear down uh, tear down those false barriers i guess or the the, the false uh what whatever you'd call it that yeah. we seem to have mm -hmm. as a as a male community what would what would you recommend that or some things that you would recommend that we do uh, well, exactly to, what you're doing right now mario is just even just acknowledgement is like the first thing i think that if if you realize that it's an issue it's like all of a sudden that's a step in the right direction i think that sometimes it's like well no nothing's wrong you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i i feel like that's number one and you know giving shout outs to people who who inspire um, and I feel like this is for anybody. It's like for other women, for other men, um, regardless of gender, just if you see wonderful art, share it, buy it, like <laughs> celebrate it, empower yeah. people, just throw out that positive energy and it will come back to you that's the crazy thing is that it comes back and it makes you feel incredible <laughs> that's true it's so true you know i uh, i think it was when i was on the negative positive podcast um we were talking about the film community as you know just how cool it is and i was kind of hesitant because when i first got into the film community you know i i didn't I didn't want to, I guess when I was on that podcast, I didn't want to like, oh, say anything negative about any other communities, like say the digital photography community, because there's nothing negative about it. But I truly do feel like within this community, within the film community, there is something really, really cool. Um, and if only we can make it even cooler. And I, I appreciate what you did 
and what you're going to continue to do with those those uh, awesome interviews. So thank you for doing that. Anytime. It makes I really love learning from other people too. It really just it fires me up. I feel like I actually just really selfishly do it because <laughs> yeah. I, I just really like chatting <laughs> with amazing That's cool. people. So <laughs> That's so cool. Um you also do something with children. I mean, I realize this last year has probably been much more challenging to do that, but are you going to start that, that, uh, uh, not, is, is it a workshop or it's a, a club? So yeah, I club. have, a, I have a film photography club and in this last year, it's actually been, uh, modified to both digital and film because of the complications of the pandemic and not being able to develop. It was just too much, but the, the process of taking pictures was the most important thing for these kids that may have not had access to the film supplies that I had in my class. So it was just an expansion. We were virtually doing it and it's going to continue as soon as we get back in and I'll keep it both film and digital. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not about excluding one or the other. I feel like both have its place and you know, that's, and I mean, honestly, I'm probably, I don't know that much about digital, but I'll probably learn. Don't <laughs> <laughs> buy hard myself, so. <laughs> well, you know, something that I'm learning about film, it's interesting that you said that, uh, something I'm learning about film and contrasting it from the digital world, because I did come from digital photography and I've only been with film for about two years this month. Um, so it's been an interesting learning process for me. <laughs> but one thing I've I've learned about film, especially negative film, uh, color film, you know, is that it's great to overexpose more so than underexposed. Yeah. And with digital, it's the opposite. It's so weird, you know. <laughs> with digital, it's great to underexpose and then bring it up versus overexposed. It's a different process altogether <laughs> that I'm still yeah, wrapping my head around. I didn't know that because I seriously don't know digital that well, but that is a really neat tip that I will take with me. I think uh, the only film, and maybe, I mean, I've noticed that you've been shooting a lot of different experimental films that like people do like seriously cannot get their hands on like <laughs> turquoise and uh, infrared. Uh, you're making everybody in the community super jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and I have to say thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. Thank you for sharing a roll of turquoise with me because I that made I have been wanting that for since I started shooting film like oh, four wow. and a half years ago. So you have no idea. I uh, I have it in dedicated to one camera and I'm halfway through it, but I'm determined to shoot so many different things with it that. <laughs> but have you noticed? Have you noticed with Loma Chrome Purple, if you overexpose it, it just falls apart. It's kind of a weird thing. I I haven't had really that great success with Loma Chrome, Loma Chrome Purple at all. Um, you know, I see all these wonderful photos uh, of, you know, various people. Uh, one of 
one of the photographers that I follow is Denise Grays out in Kansas. She was actually my first um, interview, and she did this amazing, uh, or took this amazing photo of, I think it was this uh, almost like an obelisk or something in some park in Kansas, and it was near a, it was right by a pond or some, something to do with a pond and an obelisk, and and it was just gorgeous real gorgeous and i thought we've got water here in vermont and stuff like that so i was shooting a role and i just didn't i haven't gotten the hang of it yet so i'm gonna continue you sent me a roll of turquoise i'm sorry purple yeah i'm gonna really ponder beforehand where what iso i should shoot it at because i really want it to you know look good i've seen amazing results and i want those results you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I've shot a ton of it. I do love it. But I do yeah. notice that if you overexpose it, it falls apart. So you uh-huh. really have to be super spot on. And I think I like it personally for me. I like it better at 400. And okay. I do 2016. So I keep it at 400. I sunny 16 it. And, uh, you know, and it likes different light. It likes sunlight. Like, it really likes it. As long as you meter it properly, it loves sunlight. Okay. You know, that's kind of the same thing with the turquoise. Uh, I shot it at ISO 400 and in, you know, pretty bright sunlight. Or maybe, you know, maybe some cumulus clouds, but, you know, overall sunny. And it really, I I was blown away at at how good the pictures, pictures, you know, turned out. So. That might be what the Lomochrome series needs to be at as an ISO 400. <laughs> mm-hmm. It has a completely different look at the others, but my favorite, and it's personal preference, of course, but my favorite is definitely at 400. Cool. Well, I will I will definitely uh, take that to heart, and I, I can't wait to shoot it. I mean, it's, re- it's summer right now in Vermont, well, North America, you know, so everything's green, and that would be just... It, it would almost be a sin not to shoot that film in the summer, you know? <laughs> you got to shoot it in the summer. you got to have that nice blue, blue sky. The blue sky is like everything. Cool. And, um, you know, yellows. It picks up yellows really cool also. Oh, does it? Yeah. You know, it, it does. It does. I'm sorry. I'm interjecting here. <laughs> I shot some, uh, with my last roll, I shot some uh, dandelions, and they turned out, like um, a pink yeah yeah it was weird <laughs> I love yellow I think I love yellows more than I even love greens on Loma Chrome Purple cool cool well I can't wait to shoot that roll that's awesome yay I'm shooting purple <laughs> right now so I'm super excited and you know it's funny as you're you're posting all of this infrared stuff and I have one roll that I bought a while back ago and I'm so scared to shoot it because I'm uh-huh. like I don't know what to shoot and I am like I'll never get this again <laughs> <laughs> well you know one thing my uh the the podcast just prior to this I um, I haven't posted it yet, but it, I, it's weird. I will have talked <laughs> from the, the percept, uh, perspective of now and from the perspective of people that are listening to the podcast, I had talked about it. So anyways, <laughs> that being said, um, about my experience shooting both the turquoise and the infrared, 
And what I've learned about the infrared, and I've only shot two roles. The first role was kind of like uh, getting used to it. <laughs> yeah. But the second role was, um, you know, just a lot more green out. I I was a little too uh, eager to shoot the first role. So any sign of green, I was like, yes. And it was the wrong thing <laughs> to mm. do. So, um, but I, I just shot it at ISO 200. The person that I bought it from told me that they had it freezer stored from the time they bought it and they were the first owner. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, it's probably about the same exposure, even though it was 1998. Mm -hmm. And then I just used a yellow number 12 filter and, uh, my camera, the camp, the camera that I have meters through the lens. So I didn't even with the, the filter on, I felt it was going to be pretty good. And it, it really was. I just cut the negatives tonight, actually got it from the dark room nice. and put it in my uh, binder. So <laughs> I'm talking to Incredible <laughs> shots. I really love those. And it makes me, I know that this summer or in the fall, I want to break it out and actually use it. I need to get over my fear and just do it. Yeah, you should it's it's it is terrifying to shoot but man it the, the results not i mean not every every shot comes out but they're just so cool you know it's like a led zeppelin album you know yeah. a led zeppelin cover yeah no i have to uh, shoot it i have to shoot it so i have to break out my number 12 lens and you know Probably, maybe when I'm done with the turquoise, I can only handle one biggie at, at a time. My mental <laughs> health can't take anymore. I'll have a freak out. So. <laughs> That's true. I, I understand that. Oh, do, do you develop your own film? I do. I do. Though with infrared, I'll send it out. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, don't. Well, because I, I mean, it's too expensive for me to to mess up I just sent it to the dark room and they did yeah. a fabulous job <laughs> yeah that's who I'll so. send it to I love the dark room they're really amazing um they're amazing people I've met them when I went to the um Padilla long long ago before the pandemic um really remarkable people love them cool mm -hmm. so that's cool. that's so cool um, you know, I'm here on the pretty close to the East Coast, so California's a whole continent away. But um, I remember, you know, the, a long time ago when I first tried film, this was before t two years ago. I think it was back in 2012, maybe. And I, I was excited. I shot one roll and sent it off and I didn't know how to shoot film. So I sent it to the darkroom and they sent me a message saying that there was nothing on the roll. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so that was seared into my memory. But then once I really started shooting it again, um, they've been just wonderful to work with. So, yeah, they're really amazing. I really love them. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I wanted to ask you another question about a, a, a project that you've, you've done um, and that is film souping. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you describe that to me? Because I I can't wrap my head around how to do it, how long to do it, what kinds of things to put in, what developers to use. Like, what what what's the whole process like? Well, um, it's interesting because it can vary so much depending on what recipe you decide to soup. But I'll tell you my process of a couple that I've done. Um, 
so one of the processes is I, sh well, I always shoot my film first. Okay. So I shoot with the intention that I'm going to soup it. Okay. Some people soup it first, but I'm honestly, I'm just too scared. It's going to wreck one of my cameras. If I don't rinse it and dry it enough that I shoot it first. Okay. Um, and then I decide on what I'm going to soup it with. Uh, so the things that are going to give you the most results are usually with high acidity, like anything okay. that's acidic. So that's like lemon juice. It's, um, you know, anything that has high acidity is going to make something happen to your film. I okay. usually involve a little bit of dish soap in it and... Um, hot water and maybe wow. some something weird. I'll add some salt sometimes. Every okay. is like a little bit of salt is really cool. It adds these little like specks all over it. So, uh, you know, it just depends on whatever I'm in the mood for. Tea, wine, beer, coffee, wow. whatever it is you want to add. Cool. <laughs> you think of it, you do it. <laughs> See what happens. Okay. <laughs> throw it in the, one time I threw it in the, in the washing machine. <laughs> or like, you know, in the, in my, with my clothes. Wow. And, so, <laughs> after That's you cool. Yeah, then you what you do is you rinse it really well. Like then I rinse it, rinse it, rinse it with water, and then I dry it for like a few weeks. Depending on where you live, like I live in a really dry zone, so it's usually dry in a couple of weeks for me, but if you're living somewhere humid, stick it in some rice and wait a little bit longer. Um Okay. And then I develop it. The only big, huge, like, warning sign. If you develop it in a lab, ask them first. It can wreck their machines and you'll be banned for life. They will be mad at you forever. So okay. be respectful of your lab and, and either okay. ask them to do it. Because some will do it, but they'll do it towards the end of their fresh chemicals when they're starting to, they're about to change them out. So, okay. you know, so some labs will totally do it and some will just say no. I develop my own film, so it's not really a big deal for me. Right. And, and I know that. So if you're self-developing, what I do is I do a longer wash time before I even do my chemicals. I'll rinse the film a lot before. And then I, I've never had it wreck my chemicals before, so. <laughs> okay. Now, do you do you pull the, like in the, say in a dark, like I use my bathroom for my dark room. It's not really a dark room and I don't do any like printing, but I just, for developing purposes, that's where I load the film into the canisters, into okay. the developing canisters. Um, and I've, you know, put seals around the door and I always shove some towels underneath to block any light from coming through the door and I don't have we don't have any windows in the bathroom yeah. um so do you wherever you're doing your uh, you know getting it ready for developing do you pull the the film out of the canister and rinse it that way um I put it in the in the Patterson tank so oh <laughs> duh okay yeah yeah, so what I do is I just, um, yeah, and I use the camera changing bag, so I'll put it, like, you know, I'll I'll do, I'll put it in the tank. I have the, you know, <laughs> that old school camera bag where you 
it's all light tight and you yeah. can't see anything and you're just you're putting your film in and then yeah. i just put a good rinse and then i go and i proceed and i develop the the way that it was and you know and then you see all of your results now something i have tried that also is kind of cool is distressing the negatives after D okay what, what is that so, about so it's kind of like on the same realm of souping except that you're doing it after development and after your negatives are like done and you know so you can do a lot like if you look up distressing negatives you can get a lot of cool ideas some people scratch it some people use a little bit of sandpaper but what i like to do is i like to use a little bit of hot water soap and bleach and i use silica gel like you know those little packets and they yeah if you have like and do it on negatives that you don't care about like you know when you have a roll of film and you're like Bleh, like this yeah. Crap, and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of tossing them out, those are the ones that I sometimes use to distress afterwards because I feel like they're throwaways anyway. And okay. um, ones that look really cool are like the Lomo Purple. Like those ones to distress are my favorite. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. so that's a lot of fun too. They're deep in my Instagram. They're deep down because I haven't done them in a long time. But okay. but they're the ones that look like they're sparkles, like <laughs> turquoise oh. sparkles. It's really wow. Cool. <laughs> I'll tag you. I'll tag you in one of them. <laughs> okay. Okay. That sounds great. So when you uh, I, I guess to kind of get it in my mind, when you do that first rinse, right? You know, after you've soaked it in the in the you know whatever solution you're so soaking it in, you say rinse it out really good, and then let it dry. Are you are you keeping the film in the canister and rinsing it that way and just kind of letting it seep in and, th and then seep out or? Yeah, so um, I'll do it in the canister, correct. Oh, in the Patterson tanks. In the Patterson tank. That's where I'm doing all the rinsing. So before I even put the chemicals in. Oh, I see. So you're loading it dry mm -hmm. from the roll into yeah. the Patterson tank and then yeah. starting the whole process. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Wow, that's that's good to know. Because what I was thinking that you were doing was putting the roll in, say, a, a jar of vinegar and salt or whatever. That's good to know. I'm putting the roll is still in the you know the original film canister, you know, and letting it seep in that way. Yeah. Nope. Oh, okay. I'm doing it as I would. It's kind of like it's just part of. You know, I think the hardest part is just making sure that it's rinsed all the way it's, yeah. and making sure that it's dry all the way. Because if you get it out of the little canister and it's not dry all the way, it's going to be sticky. Yeah. So anybody who's had that issue, if you home develop, if your negatives are even a tiny bit wet, they get stuck on the reels and it. Oh, talk about film sweats. It is the uh. worst experience ever. So make oh, sure your negatives are dry, dry, dry. <laughs> I tell you what, that I've for the most part I I do do my own developing. I've only recently started resending back, you know, some film to the darkroom, which yeah, I think I'm going to do a little bit more often just cuz I I live in the country, there's dust everywhere. And I can't seem to not have dust on my films, 
which, you know, some dust is fine, but man, sometimes I, there are a couple of roles where I've had an inordinate amount of dust and it made the film or the pictures just, I didn't like them. And I didn't want to edit, sit there and edit for hours, editing, editing out all the dust, you know? So I'm going to use the dark room a little bit more, but, um, I do remember when I first started developing, I had one of those dark bags and oh man, <laughs> my hands got sweaty and I was so mad because it wouldn't, yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't get on the reels. Yeah. And of course it was my first time doing it. So I didn't know what to do anyways, but. Mm. It's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, well, so film souping is something that I would love, love, love to try. And I thank you for for being so adventurous with that <laughs> and giving, you know, putting that idea out. It's just just amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, just about film in general. Um, do you have a favorite film stock that you've shot over the years? I think that my favorites, I have favorites. I love Cinestill 800. Um, I love Vision 3, uh, which is a lot. It's on the same playing field as Cinestill, except you have to take off the run jet. Yeah. Um, but let me think about it. I have for black and white, I like T-Max. And then it's still double X. And then for okay. creative, I like Loma Chrome Purple. So cool. I know that's a lot, but I'm like, those are, and I'm trying to think because I feel like I have a new, oh, you know what? I never shot it before until they expired. And I sent you, I think, a roll of the 35. But I love, and now it's gone. I love mm-hmm. the Fuji Pro 400 H or H. I don't even know what order it goes in because I don't use it all the time, but I love <laughs> it in 120 the best. And I'm like, great. I bought a lot of it because I was like, I it's going to go away. I'm never going to be able to shoot it. So I, I bought like, you know, 10 rolls of the 120 and like 10 rolls of the 35. And I love the 120. Cool. <laughs> but cool, now cool. after I'm done with it, it's like going to be gone forever. I'll be so sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. I'm, I'm saving the my my extra. I got uh, five rolls of the Lumicrum turquoise, and I'm saving the last two rolls. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Trying to think, that's what amazing. am I gonna do with these? <laughs> well, I am but, so appreciative that you shared one of them with me. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm very thankful for what you sent me, and I'm super duper looking forward to the. Uh, the Pro 400H. I just, that's one of the things I've got to try. You talked about pushing beyond your barriers or your, you know, your, mm-hmm. your comfortable zone. For me, my comfortable zone kind of has to do a little bit with what we were talking about before with uh, men photographers and what we can do. I want to do more people photography, you know, portraits or whatever. And I just have this wall in front of me like, uh, I am a guy. I can't do that. That would make everybody feel uncomfortable. And but that's what it seems like the Pro 400H is good for. It and also so, likes greens. It likes greens and blues. Okay. From my experience, so it is okay. good for portrait. But you know what? If you 
it, you have a lot of greens up there. I think that greens, it really is so beautiful. That's what I've noticed. You know, that's true. That's true. Um, and pastels. So I'm like, and pastels. <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody else, I can't remember, but they posted recently on Instagram a, a photo uh, from, you know, w with the Pro 400H. And the colors were just gorgeous, really gorgeous. Nice, nice soft almost like soft pastels, mm -hmm. it seemed like. And man, oh man, I, I'm looking forward to shooting it, <laughs> shooting it, but, you know, I just got to wait to, well, you know what, maybe not wait for the right time because the right time might never come. That's right, <laughs> just that's do it. right. Exactly, just do it. <laughs> oh, well, Roxanna, I want to just say, a, again, a big, big thank you for, for joining me on the podcast. I really really truly appreciate it um i know you have a, a busy busy life you're a teacher well not a teacher but a, a, a what is it counselor. A, a, a counselor that's right counselor at school and you do i'm assuming you deal with a lot of things being such <laughs> i do and i love it so <laughs> cool <laughs> very cool so thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to be on my little bitty podcast. <laughs> oh, it is such a pleasure. I love everything that you do for the community. And I love that you started this podcast and rad name, by the way, I'm a Gen X girl, <laughs> so I'm, I'm all about it. So nice job. <laughs> Are you a Gen Xer? <laughs> I am barely. I'm like right on the cusp, but I, 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 I adhere more to Gen X, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was born in 76, and so that puts me kind of almost at the end of the Gen X, uh, you know, generation, I guess. But yep. I definitely identify more with it, too. <laughs> I'm 77, so, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know where the name of my podcast came from, actually, where? was a Gen Zer. <laughs> <laughs> my son uh he was i was telling him that i'd like to do a podcast of some kind and he said you should do one about photography photography and call it the gen x something with generation x or something because we were talking about generations and his music versus my music and all that so i love it he has good ideas <laughs> yes for sure I'm, I'm ever thankful to him for that <laughs> but well, thank you again for for uh, joining the podcast and uh, look forward to, to seeing much more of your work. Uh, and where, by the way, where can people find you, uh, find your photography? Thank you so much, Mario. I'm excited to have been on here. People can find me on Instagram at Log or Galonixor. I'm also Log on TikTok. Um, I don't post as much lately, but, you know, I'm probably more of a voyeur on there. Lots of fun. Okay, cool. <laughs> By the way, I love the Galonixor. <laughs> I think uh, Mike Gutterman said it sounded almost like a dinosaur species and I'm like yeah he got it <laughs> that's awesome all right well have a great night Roxana and uh to all you out there listening to this podcast thank you so much for listening and uh, as always keep those analog vibes alive well that was my interview with Roxana Angles so Roxana thank you again for coming on Hopefully it all went well, and hopefully the sound quality uh, was okay. I'm, I'm continuing to try to improve the sound quality, but 
uh, please bear with me as I go through the process of learning this, uh, you know, this whole podcasting uh, endeavor. So anyways, again, thank you all for listening so, so much. And as always, keep those analog vibes alive.